Well, this morning, I am feeling a little bit rebellious. I'm doing something that I have never done before. The committee, the revised lectionary committee that chooses our readings for us, chose a reading from Revelation to us as our second reading. However, they left out two verses, or three verses, in their recommendation, and I put them back in. (laughs) So there. And the verses are the ones in this passage that might feel a little bit uncomfortable. The first one, outside are the dogs and sorcerers and fornicators and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. They took that out. And then they also took out this warning. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of the book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of the book in this prophecy, God will take away that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. So what he's saying is, anyone who takes away part of the text is in deep trouble. Sort of ironic then that our committee found it necessary to pull out a couple of verses from this book. Well, I am not missing out on my share of the tree of life, thank you very much, so in they go. But these are amazing verses and they illuminate the entire book of Revelation for us in a way that is just extraordinary. As I started learning this week and digging into this, it's amazing. And what these verses are basically telling us is that we shouldn't play with the scriptures. We shouldn't play with our spiritual food, as it were. So let's think about the writer of the book of Revelation, likely a man, and and what was he after in this dire warning to those of us who would mess with his text? Well, he came from the first century and was under a very oppressive regime in Rome. And he was also in a world of theological arguments between and amongst Christians and Jews. He speaks at one point of a sorceress who is going around and spreading lies. And his vision of the gospel and of Jesus Christ and the resurrection differs from hers. And so he gives her a pretty rough profile in the book of Revelation. So he's in this stew of argument and in this stew of oppression. And the book itself is a very particular literary style that would have been familiar to its hearers. This is prophecy. This is the kind of things that we see snippets of in the book of Isaiah or the entire book of Daniel and the Hebrew scriptures. These are visions of grand and wild things that communicate to us deeper truths. And Revelation tells us some specific things that this writer believes. First of all, throughout, words have tremendous power. There's a moment when an angel breaks a seal on a scroll and just the act of breaking the seal triggers an earthquake and all kinds of chaos and natural disaster. These words have power. 
And later there is a steel that is broken on a scroll that leads to half an hour of silence throughout the heavens. There's also a part where the writer of Revelation sees an angel holding a small book. And he goes up to the angel and the angel gives it to him to eat. And the writer of Revelation, John is his name, he eats it and he says, it was sweet on my tongue, but bitter in my stomach. Robert Royalty, who is a scholar, has said of this that it's essentially like the author swallows the word of God, digests it for his audience, and then later in these verses tells them not to play with their food. And yet, and yet, John, the writer of Deuteronomy, or of this text, he messes with other texts. He goes back to Deuteronomy to get the format for these verses where he warns us. In the book of Deuteronomy where the law of Moses is given to the people, it is written that those who disobey it or who mess with it will be in trouble. So he even disobeys his own words in the book by going back and messing with the words of someone else. It is ironic and dare I say, hypocritical. So what I think all of this is saying to us, what this is saying to me, is we gotta get in there and play with our food. <laughs> the Bible is our book. It is your book. And we should read it. There is this idea in the Hebrew scriptures that hearing the word is doing the word. That hearing the word compels us to do what the word says. And I would say in the same vein that reading the word is owning the word. When we read it, it becomes ours. The reading and interpretation of Holy Scripture is our sacred and holy inheritance, and no one can take that away from us. The reading and interpretation of Scripture is so important that it is in our Scripture. This entire book of Revelation that reads and interprets scriptures was found so holy by our ancestors who formed this book that they said, it's got to be in there. Future generations need to read this forever and forever. Look at the letters of Paul. The references to the Old Testament are plentiful and huge. Scripture is a commentary on scripture. And we have not just a right, but we have an obligation as Christians to read it and to dig in with it and to engage in it and to play with this spiritual food. And if nothing else, we got to stick it to the committee that told us we can't read those verses this morning. And think about the implications of this in our world. What happens when we as a community of Christians dig into our scriptures, when we dig into the theological debates around us? Joel Osteen, who is one of the world's biggest TV mega evangelists in the world, is known for cherry picking verses, much like our committee would have had us do today. 
He'll pick one or two verses that lightly inspire a message that he shares with his audiences that is more or less a Jesus-flavored self-help kind of thing. And yet, even though he does this, Joel Osteen begins all of his sermons with a prayer that is so powerful. Listen to it. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today I will be taught the word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the word of God. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. That is your Bible. Isn't that an amazing prayer? It gives me chills to read. And yet, this preacher who wrote this prayer, Cherry Picks the Verses, This morning is just full of irony. Another example of the implications of this is in a play that I got to see this weekend at the Berkeley Repertory Theater, which was extraordinary. This play is called The Good Book, which is about my favorite book. This play is all about the Bible. It is all about the scriptures. And it plays with the Bible in a profound way. It tells stories about the communities and the people who fought for centuries to preserve the scrolls of this book. It depicts scenes from Babylon and from Mesopotamia, these ancient peoples struggling to become who God calls them to be, struggling to preserve what has been written about them. It also weaves in a story of a young man, a Catholic believer who is swept away in faith, who reads the Bible all the time and also struggles with his sexuality and the teachings of the church. It weaves in the story of an older woman who's a college professor, a Bible scholar, in fact, towards the end of her career, and a dyed-in-the-wool atheist. Both this young man and this older woman read the Bible with passion, with love, and yet, in doing so, they are threatening. They are dangerous. They get in there and they mess with the text. And they shine a light on this Holy Scripture that is unbelievable, that is amazing to see. And this is the kind of work I feel like we are called as Christians to do. We are all given the light of Christ and we must shine it on this text so that it becomes alive and luminous for ourselves and for others. I know in my heart that John, the writer of Revelation, would have been appalled at this play. He would have been appalled at Joel Osteen and the way that he cherry-picked scripture. He would be appalled at me this morning for playing with the text. But let's read the text. Let's get messy with it. Let's take our place at the table with the writer of John. And let's play with scripture. 
Let's play with our spiritual food. Amen.